Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast that sits down with Jewish professionals and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, share their advice, and bear their Jewish souls. Now here's your host, Rabbi Tovia Kopsty. Welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. I am Rabbi Tubia Kopstein, and you can join us in this episode as we speak to Ari Solomon, who is a young man. And Ari, already as a younger man, Ari was fulfilling his boyhood dream of mingling and befriending the pro sports players on the dugout and in the field by becoming the chief designer and marketer of Stadium Custom Kicks, a designer custom footwear company. Now, what's even more fascinating to me is how Ari was able to stay, hold tight to his values, his Jewish values, as he mingles among a world that doesn't necessarily appreciate or share those values, but as they see how important it is to him, they respect him and honor him for it. Please enjoy our tribe. Okay, so here we are. Welcome back to our tribe, the podcast, and I'm very pleased to welcome Ari Solomon. How you doing, Ari? Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. I'm always uh, always happy to, especially be in a uh, interview with the uh, with a loyal customer. So that's always very exciting. Ah, okay. So Ari's giving away the secret that we're oh. actually we're actually customers of Stadium Custom Kicks, and we want to talk to Ari about Ari. We want to talk to you about what you're doing and how you got to it, and it's very interesting and unique. So that, please tell us tell us your story. Tell us how you got into designing custom sneakers and uh let's let's hear it absolutely so i guess we can just jump straight into the into the full story i guess uh it's it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit lengthy but i'll give it a little bit uh, a little bit shorter but we want to hear it all or unless you want to hear it all then we can just yeah. go straight into it <laughs> so it all started i guess um well so i guess a little bit about me very quickly i live in teaneck new jersey i'm 22 years old right now mm-hmm. um married um been yeah, I graduated college. Um, well, officially, I, I finished school in this past December. I've been working for over two years at this point in this uh, in this field in this world. Um, just really finished up. I finished with a degree in marketing officially, but I'm of course my guess my fish my official um, my official job is a uh, graphic designer um, and creative marketer. I guess yeah, could say on the side, but. Just a bit about my background um, right here. I, grad- I got a grade from the Yeshiva program at Fairleigh Dickinson University after a beginning stint in Yeshiva University. Okay. Um, but I can get into that for us uh, a little bit more. And this is more about, you know, the, the real interesting parts, you know. Um, so a little bit about the way that my story kind of started. So back in high school, so I attended, um, I grew up in Teaneck. So I attended uh, TABC, which is the Torah Academy of Bergen County, you know, a local uh, Orthodox high school. Mm-hmm. And in high school, I was a very big athlete. I always grew up. I loved sports. I loved creativity. When I was a kid, I used to draw cartoons and draw pictures and draw uniforms. Like I was always drawing everything. I wasn't necessarily so good at the drawing part, which is where the graphic design came in. Uh-huh. But I had the ideas and I had the general, you know, the general stuff. But I was a big athlete. I played six sports. Um, I was you know, sports were really like, it was just like my life. I was obsessed with sports. I was obsessed with following sports. I was obsessed with playing sports. And at a certain point, I guess I realized in high school that, you know, I want, I, I knew from, you know, the time I was a little kid that I always wanted to go into the sports industry. There was nowhere else where I wanted to work. You know, sports mm-hmm. was such a big part of my life. I knew that I, I always wanted to do something that I would love to do, that I would enjoy doing. I knew I wanted to wake up every day and just be excited to go to work. And I knew that the only place that I would ever really ever feel that excitement would be in the sports industry. Uh-huh. So 
I was, so I, I had my head on that I wanted to get into sports. And when I was in high school, I started realizing and learning how difficult it is to get into the sports industry, especially when you, number one, you don't have any connections. And number two, when you're practicing Shomer Shabbos, you know, Orthodox Jew, it's very difficult. And I didn't know. And then I started to learn, especially that, you know, the sports marketing field is really just, if you don't have connections, it's really like almost nearly impossible to penetrate. So that's where I kind of shifted my thought where I said, okay, I, I want to try to hit the creative side of sports where if I'm not gonna be able to kind of separate myself just because based on my resume, based on my profile, I'm gonna have to do it like visually in the sense that I'm going to stand out no matter what. And my parents suggested to me, and I give them a lot of well, all the credit for this. They said, Hey, like you have the ideas, you're very creative. Like what if we get you set up with Adobe Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator and so these graphic design programs, would you be interested in learning them kind of in your spare time? And I said, that sounds really cool. That sounds, and this is a lot of cool things I could do with it. I know that the whole world runs on creativity and everything needs graphic design. So sure enough, I took up the program and started learning on YouTube, on some training sessions. How old were you at, how old were you at this point? I was at this point, what was I must have been 16, 17, probably 16. I was a 16. Okay. I was, I think it was a sophomore in high school, maybe a junior, one of those yeah. two. It was summer middle high school. And I was, and so I started learning design. And I started doing local bar mitzvah logos, you know, I started a little bit of a business. My first business I started, it was just a little bit of, you know, some graphic designs, some bar mitzvah logos and, you know, ads and invitations for some local businesses. And it was great. And I really loved the work. And, but I always had like kind of the, the goal that I would be going into the sports, sports world, sports industry. Okay. So at some point, whenever I was going to transfer those skills over. So fast forward towards Israel, I took my computer and I went to Yeshiva for the year. And I took a year abroad in Israel for between high school and college. I went to a yeshiva called Yeshivat Shari Mivaseret Sion, which is right outside of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And I studied Torah there for, for the year. And I brought my laptop with me and I was doing design. And I was after, and during nighttime, after the night seder, after the night learning, I would, you know, stay up until the middle of the night, you know, doing my work and taking care of my business. And it was great. And I really liked it, but I was still, you know, focused more on just, all right, just learning the program and getting into it. I was self-taught. And then at one point, the big shift came when I came back to my dorm room late at night and I realized every single file on my computer was completely just gone. My computer was just wiped out, everything, nothing. Like, And I was like, I had it. I didn't know how this happened. I was, <laughs> I was freaking out. I started, I was on the phone with Apple until literally the early morning and we just didn't know what happened. Like my computer just, everything was just gone. Every single thing I ever did. And that was pretty depressing for the moment, but it was also a silver lining because now that forced me to restart. That's when I said, okay, great. Now I can, now I really have, now that I have this opportunity, I need to rebuild a portfolio. I was literally, no joke. I was about to build a website. I didn't have, now I didn't have anything to build a website with. So I needed to fully restart. So I said, now I'm going to start doing sports stuff and I'm going to try to, you know, kind of shift my skills into the sports industry. So now I can try to do that. So then what I started off with doing, even in Israel, I was starting I was getting these, I was creating these pictures of professional athletes, you know, like putting cool backgrounds and putting cool words and their numbers and, you know, making these cool poster types of desktop things. Started posting them. I created a social media page. I put it on Instagram and I started tagging all the players and tagging the athletes. And sure enough, I started getting a little bit of recognition by the players and by the athletes, just lower down guys. And these agents were asked, texting me and asking if I could do some freelance work for them. And it was really cool. And I started getting into it a little bit, you know, just making a little bit of a dent. And then fast forward a bit. And when I came back from Israel, I started off in Yeshiva University. And this is before the pandemic started. This is probably in 2019 when I was, I was about 19 years old at that point. And I was, and then I started really going 
hard with my design. I started messaging literally thousands of athletes. Like I was like getting blocked on Instagram every day from sending messages. So I was sending so many messages. Um, and because I was sending messaging thousands of athletes, I was going after all like the lower tier ones, like minor league players and lower down players and saying, Hey, if you, I'll make you a free piece of graphic artwork for your social media pages. If you post it and tag me for free, like nothing, just so I can start getting my name out there completely pro bono. Took a lot of my time, but I knew it was going to be worth it to make the connections. And sure enough, I got a few responses. Maybe I thought I got maybe like 10 responses, but even those 10 responses were really, really important to me. So then moving along a little bit, once the pandemic hit, um, and then we were all, you know, we all went straight. We went, we went home and we were all confused and at home. It was very, uh, it, it gave me a lot of time at that point. That was really where I was like, okay, I have a huge opportunity right now to really kind of shift. So the way, then it turns out my Rusa the one, the guy, my learning partner in the morning in Yeshiva University, he was, he told me randomly that he said that he grew up, but he, he was, uh, he grew up not, 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 not from, he was not, he wasn't religious. He went to a Catholic high school in uh, Toronto. Actually not Toronto, my bad, Montreal. In Montreal. A Jewish guy? Uh, yeah. yeah. Totally Jewish guy, my <laughs> friend. Totally, totally Jewish guy. He didn't come from an Orthodox background, but yeah. he grew up and he became Orthodox and, you know, he really connected to Torah and he came to uh-huh. YU. And we learned together for a very long time and great guy. But he told me that he, in his high school, he grew up with a guy who was the first round pick of the Detroit Red Wings in the NHL. And he said, he's his best friend. And he said, Oh, would you, maybe you guys could do some work together. Okay. So together we created this, um, my, this is my first touch into the sports sports world where we created this something called the Selly forward challenge, which was a, so, a social media campaign designed to raise awareness for mental health during the pandemic. And so I did the design, the marketing and really created the whole thing and we along with my other friend who did a lot of the social media stuff and with joe valino that his name was joe valino the guy who was on detroit red wings he's playing right now he's he's a, good, he's a good player and he used his connections and we got a lot of nhl players involved in celebrities so i started making my connections there with this mental with this mental health awareness challenge that was kind of the tip of the iceberg then once i had these connections i leveraged that into something called the five minute drop where i had created this podcast slash show on instagram where i went li- i would go live on instagram for five to 10 minutes, you know, that was kind of my goal. Now, and I had a very simple, simple request from the athletes. I was like, Hey, if you come on with me for five minutes on an Instagram live, not an, even an interview, kind of more conversation, just about general, your story, sports culture, I'll keep it to literally five, six minutes. Um, at the end of the show, um, I'll reveal to you live on a canvas, a piece of custom artwork that I made for you. And I'll send it to you as a gift. So completely free piece of one-on-one commissioned artwork, uh, completely for free. And all you have to do is just hop on my live for a few minutes and I got a ton of responses from that. And to my goal, and that wasn't necessarily, oh, it wasn't just entertainment per se, like people might have thought. It was, I was targeting people very specifically who I wanted to network with. And those people, a lot of times in the sports world, and what I realized is that, you know, the big names are the big names. And it's cool to get them on. But a lot of times the little guys who are the ones with all the connections and who have all the businesses and all know exactly what they're doing. So it turns out that the fourth, and so that show, I haven't done it in a few months, but at that time I was doing twice a week, I had... As, at this point right now, I think I've done 57 episodes, um, which was amazing. Um, but it turns out, so my fourth guest, so I'm getting into the shoes now. <laughs> it's my, my fourth guest on the show was a guy named Alex Katz, who was, he's actually, so he's a Jewish guy. He was a professional, he's, he actually played for Team Israel in the Olympics this past summer. And also a few years ago, he was in the World Baseball Classic. Um, he's a minor league baseball player right now. He was with the Cubs last year. Um, but he's, so I knew, you know, to other people in medicine, oh, who's this? Oh, it's the nice, you know, Jewish guy, team is our bringing him on the show. But I knew that Alex also recently started a business called Stadium Custom Kicks, 
which is a custom sneaker slash cleat business, which works with was hundreds of professional athletes. And I knew that Alex did that. And I said, okay, it's time to do a little bit of networking right now. So sure enough, me and Alex got along very well. Uh, he liked my designs. And then he said, hey, how about you interested in coming in working for me as a designer? I said, of course, that sounds really awesome. And he said, okay, your first job, if you can handle it, is to design a pair of shoes for Jacob DeGrom on the Mets, who is the Mets uh, all-star Cy Young He's the golden boy of the New York Mets. Uh, you know, my literally my hero growing up. He said, you have to design, your first time is to design a pair of shoes for him, commemorating the late and great Tom Seaver. Um, and you think you can handle it? And like, I was running around my house, like jumping off the walls. I was so happy. I was so excited that he gave me this opportunity. And sure enough, I was, I, of course, I took it. Um, the cleats went pretty viral on social media. They got talked about a ton and then started giving me more and more work. Um, and since then with the cleats, I, with Stadium Custom Kicks, I've, become the lead designer of last year's i worked with hundreds and hundreds i'm probably over a thousand at this point pro athletes um across baseball football um golf i work with many businesses um i work with many i've kind of brought the sneaker culture out into the charity world the, you know the like i said the wall street world like everywhere so just kind of really delve into sneaker culture we do other things too i am also nowadays i'm also a designer with a company called aria gloves which is a brand new baseball glove um, company, you can see uh, the ice cream glove over here. See, it's a little bit pretty creative. I can, I can get into that. Okay. We're all <laughs> a waffle cone. Very cool. Uh, we're talking about baseball gloves. We're not talking about winter gloves. Yeah. Baseball, baseball designs. Okay. Baseball gloves like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and thank God. And that's where, and that's kind of the story of kind of how I got the wild story of how I got to where I am right now without ever leaving my house. <laughs> to be wow. That's okay, the so. I gave you the deep, the deep details. Okay, so I I was mistaken because I going into this I thought the Stadium Custom Kicks was your was your idea, and you with your design and you went into but but you had somebody who was already he was already designing custom sneakers and and he just what what was what was the value that you added to the already existing business of custom sneakers design? Yeah, so what he so the business at that point so the business at that point was he was a one he was one guy who was with uh because he was a professional baseball. So he was, he had a couple of artists with him, maybe like four or five artists at that point. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't, it was really more kind of like at that point, it was very low on the ground. It was still like kind of like a more, he had a lot of connections. So it was a lot of players were coming to them, but they were, the turnaround times were very large. And also people couldn't see the designs before they were being made because mm-hmm. there was no graphic designer. So okay. that was the point. So then all of a sudden, so when I came out into the team, um, we started doing was creating these individual designs of like mock-ups like in the sense of people were able to you know essentially create their own design I was able to work with pro players who could create their own designs um I also started bringing a lot of clients and a lot of outreach and a lot of you know ideas to kind of grow the business and since then when I joined on we've tripled or more than now now we have over 28 artists around the country so we're able to do about like 10 times more volume um of shoes and so we've grown into all different kind of sectors so I came in when it was very very low on the ground in the Mm -hmm. sense um and because alex is not an artist he's uh, he's the business guy he's um mm-hmm. he's the one who created the idea of the business so he's he's got all the credit for the idea for the idea of the business itself yeah um but that's kind of where i came in yeah okay very nice. so are you what's your title now are you the chief designer is everything every design goes by you yeah i'm the i'm the head designer i'm the head mm-hmm. of special projects that's my two terms officially but i pretty much dabble in everything <laughs> Very cool. Okay. So what, what I, I think I probably saw, and I, I became aware of you probably from the Jacob de Gram project, because 
one, maybe it was your uncle, or your father, or somebody posted on LinkedIn that you were, that you had done this and your shoes were being worn and they were on national TV or, and, and I said, wow, this is really cool. And, and at that time, it was also emphasized that Ari is very careful. Ari, Ari loves learning Torah and Ari doesn't start working until 12 PM until 12 noon every day because he's committed to learning. And that, that I thought, wow, you know, this guy, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> is that, are you still holding with that? Very much so. Very much so. Okay, excellent. So tell hours in the morning also. <laughs> the wee hours. Oh yeah, and I know I just noticed as I was preparing for this podcast, I just noticed that you are organizing learning groups. You have you have something that people who are going into work in the city or wherever they're going into work, they can come, they can come through Teaneck and they can they can be part of a morning colo, which is a group a group of men learning together. Can you can you share with um with our viewers something of of why this is so important to you and what, what you gain from, from making such a commitment. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, and really like the way I kind of organize my life is that, you know, all this is amazing and it's really, you know, it's really like, it's such a, uh, I, I take a, it's a blessing that every single day I can wake up and do something that I love to do. But the reality is, is that that's really, you know, the work and it's, it's all kind of secondary to what the overall picture is, which is, you know, growing and living a life of Torah, living a life of Yiddish guide and Judaism. Um, I mean, for a few main reasons, I mean, right now, so like you're saying too, yeah, I started this, um, a morning call up, which is because at 525 in the morning, um, for, it's really designed for people kind of like, I wouldn't even say like me because I'm in a very good situation where I'm able to, since I'm working from home, working remotely, I'm working kind of on a lax schedule for me, I, I can, I actually am able to, you know, build into my schedule the time for, but for other people who are working in the city and are working jobs that they have to be in the office at 7am in New York city it's very hard for them to kind of find time to learn Torah. So mm-hmm. we created this program, this Kolo program, where it's a real, it's not just simply, oh, you have to be, you know, people need structure. People need to feel like they have something in their life that there's actually, they see other people dedicated to it too. And then once they have that, it's like, oh, okay, there's this place where there's this beautiful amount of learning and nobody's judging you and everybody understands that, oh, like, but just, just showing up, even if you show up and you, say two words of Torah, you say a bracha, whatever it is, just by showing up, it's you already made this commitment that you're showing God that he's ready for you to take your, that, that I deserve to be blessed in my day to go, you know, that there's a, there's a real reason that I'm working. And so what Torah and Judaism and everything, why it's all so important. I mean, there's unlimited, <laughs> unlimited things to say, of course, as, as everything, but the overall things is, you know, I've seen in my own personal life from, you know, as I've grown in my journey in, in, you know, in Torah and, Judaism and everything is that, you know, I've, life is just, there's just so much more meaning as a whole when you understand and just feeling like just such a beautiful lifestyle that the Torah actually describes and you really get into it. It's not just in the sense of, oh, like a lot of people view, you know, you just get as a sense of, oh, it's just a lot of words to say and it's a lot of laws to keep and it's a lot of stringencies. But that's because the problem is, is focusing on the bigger, on, you know, kind of like I'd say the bigger picture for the smaller picture, which is, you know, the main thing is, okay, we work first and this is on the side. But when you're really doing it and try to live a life of Torah, you just, all the doors open up with just about how beautiful the life is. And, you know, I'm, you know, newly, relatively newly married. I wasn't, you know, I'm over, over a year at this point, but, you know, even before, you know, but I lived in high school, the life of understanding, you know, I wasn't always so dedicated to Torah. I wasn't so dedicated to learning. And there was a lot of gaps in my day. Or it was just like, okay, like, what do I do right now? Like, I don't feel like I'm doing anything of, of substance. I feel like I have a lot of questions right now. And little, I just didn't understand and didn't realize that all the answers to every question I ever had was out there. And all I just needed to do was kind of just 
go delve into it and just go and understand it. Then once I started seeking out those questions, seeking out those answers slowly and slowly and slowly, I started realizing like, wow, there's just so much meaning and so much life. And then I realized that once I started learning Torah, I started feeling much less stressed out about work, started understanding and just started naturally coming in, just understanding and having a Muna, having faith in Hashem and realizing that at the end of the day, I could do my work and I do as much as I want to do. But at the end of the day, it's controlled by somebody else who loves me. And I really, I realized, and I was like, wow, like my life just became less stressful. And I started saying, and I decided I got to keep on pursuing this and slowly got less stressful with my, you know, with my personal house and my, with my wife too, I started, you know, learning Torah and the Shalom bias, the peace in the home just became easier and easier and easier. And I started seeing these blessings that were just coming into my life just because of how important it was and just going out of my way to go learn and understand and just, it just, it, it just like once you dedicated to it, it was just like everything just came together so much. And it was, just, it, and that's why, that's from, from a practical standpoint, that's how I really realized that just living a life of Torah was just better than not living a life of Torah. It was just so, so, so much better. So I guess that's just the answer to the question of like, how did I just realize that it's all just so important? And why do I want to live a life like this? Okay. Thank you. And, and I, if I understand correctly, you're also, you have a teaching role in the morning. Is that correct? Yeah. You say, you say, you say one of the classes. So do you, you prepare that the day before or yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I learned with, um, so I learned with, uh, I have a group of a Chaburu of high school guys who I learned with about 10 to 15 guys and they come actually come before they go to school at, they come at seven ten in the morning and wow. yeah, it's amazing. And we learn we learn about tefillah. Um, we learned Shara B'Tefillah, Gates, Gates of Prayer by Rabbi Shimshon um, Pincus. I think I have that uh, over here. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's uh, amazing. So yeah, so I prepared the night before and the guys come and we learn just because they, you know, and throughout their day, it's also they, they're very engrossed, you know, in school and school Torah. It's like, you know, there's two, there's two types of Torahs. It's like, you know, the school Torah in the sense, which is, all right, you know, it's difficult. It's this tests and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on me, you know, and in the sense of them there is, but there's, there's not really so much time for the type of Torah, which is, no pressure at all besides the fact that you just want to grow yourself and understand you just have this own desire to get closer to God and understanding. And it's amazing. It's really amazing every morning. These guys are amazing. Wow. It's amazing. 15 guys come, well, are willing to, what time would they have to be at school? What time would they have to wake up otherwise? Eight o'clock? Yeah. Dobbing's at eight. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. It's so really they're, amazing. They're waking up uh, at least an hour and a half earlier and they're in, in order to make this happen. And that's, uh, wow. That's incredible. Amazing. 15 guys. Okay. Very good. Now, Ari, what, what point in your life, uh, you're still relatively a young man, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I would say. at what point in your life did you realize that you, that you wanted to really make this commitment, you know, as, as your professional career was taking off, it sounds like it's, it's happening at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think every single day is, you know, realistically, like I, I think realistically, I mean, I've always, I grew up in, I grew up in a house, you know, where I was going to meeting three times a day. I was, I was going to, you know, the prayers. Um, but it, w- it was a little bit more dry, I guess, in the sense for, you know, in high school, it was a little bit more dry. Everything was just dry in the sense, you know, the way that it was kind of transmitted over to me, no fault on anybody, God forbid, but, you know, just the overall system that the way that it was kind of transmitted was a little bit more of an academic type of feeling. And I didn't, and I, I was always, I always knew I was going to raise, you know, a Jewish family and raise a Jewish home, but in the sense of there's different types, it was it going to be, what kind of commitment was like, was it really going to be? And I think after my year in Israel, once I really, especially, um, once I left Israel, um, I'd said, okay, I, I'm at a place right now where I understand that, you know, I see where people are in their lives. And I said, that seems like very far away from where I could possibly ever be, but I do understand the concept that it's all small steps. And that by taking these small steps and going every single day, that eventually I can get to this place. And it seems, seems scary at the beginning. It seemed far, but day by day, 
I think right after my year in Israel, when I, I really was kind of ready to, I felt like I was ready, ready to start, you know, just learning and getting ready to get married at a certain point. I felt like I was very mature a little bit early on. Um, that was when I decided I wanted to make that commitment, but every single, but I've grown and every single day I'm growing, but even just my mentality is my, you know, my philosophies are, have changed in the last three years and they're changing every single day. And it just takes with a lot of um, work, but I think my official commitment was where I said, okay, was when I said, I'm ready, listen, I'm ready to get married. And once you're ready, ready to get married, that means you have a, you have to have a sense of, you know, where you want to go and you know where you want to be. And I'm nowhere where I want to be right now, even, um, you know, every single day is a, it's a different step, but I think after my year in Israel was the official. Okay. Very good. Okay. Let's take it back to the professional world, but now, you know, you're, everything is, it's you're you're one person that has all these aspects to you. You know, it's all comes together into one, into one Ari. So you go on to, I, I, we have, I've seen videos of you going into the dugouts and presenting your designs to the athletes. And so you're, you're there, you're not hiding the fact that you're an, an Orthodox Jew, you're wearing your big yarmulke. And, and um, so let me ask me, tell me about that experience. Like, what do you, what do you see from the, these are players that have, you know, most of them probably not living religious lives. How do they, how do you interact with that? Do you get, do you get any interesting questions? Tell me yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's amazing. So that's, of course, that's a very, it's a very interesting, you know, it's a very interesting question and very um, interesting stuff. I'm sorry about that, um, you know, in, in general, but it's very important to me. And I get into why it's important, but to answer your first question um, about my experience about it is it's very, I mean, it's very fulfilling even for myself, but when I go and people always ask, oh, what happens? You experience anti-Semitism, this, or you looked at differently. Do they think it is? My answer is, no, not at all. There is never, I can say comfortably, there is, I've never once felt that I've been marginalized or at a disadvantage because of my Kipa, because of my sisters, which I wear very much openly. All it's done is opened up very, very interesting conversations in very respectful ways. Occasionally when people, because in today's political climate, people don't, are not comfortable asking people, you know, in, in general about, you know, certain about religious things, or whatever it is, you never know, know what, how someone's going to react. But there are times where, you know, I talk to people or a lot of these players and most of the time they just treat me just like they treat anybody else. It's, you know, it's, I'm a person, I'm, I'm smiling. I go out of my way to be extra nice because I'm wearing my yarmulke, because I'm wearing my tzitzis. You know, I, I, I do, I make a tremendous effort to make an act of Kiddush Hashem, you know, to publicize God's name in the sense of, I want to make sure that they do know that when they see this yarmulke and they do see this tzitzis, that it's their first thought in general is, oh, it's probably, you know, it's probably a good guy, a good, honest guy. Um, but nothing but respect from everybody. Um, actually, a lot of the times it's really amazing. It happens very often that it'll actually awaken, you know, people who look people and it happens, it happened a few weeks ago. It happens, it happens all the time. People come up to me, people who look very secular, people have no idea. And they'll say, Oh, by the way, I had a bar mitzvah too. And I'm like, like out of nowhere, like, and I'll be like, Oh, cause I'm wearing a kippah. So it's obvious, you know, and they, it awakens their Jewish pride. And they talk to me about Israel. They'll talk to me about their Jewish their Jewish past or their temple or something. And I, and I get into these very, very interesting conversations with security guards, with players. Um, a lot of the time we have no idea, you know, they say they have a Jewish background in the sense. Um, and even religious players, like religious Catholic, religious Christian players come up and sometimes they're, they have, they have questions like, Hey, like, do you mind if I ask you a few things? Like, what do you, like, what, like, what do you believe in this? And we have very respectful conversations and it's very interesting. Um, so I really, I, I enjoy the experience when I, when I go, I'm very purposely, I've done it. I've gotten more comfortable over the years. Um, you know, in, in the past, like I was, there was one time at the beginning, like, uh, like at the beginning, like the first one, I was like, oh, wear a hat, you know, just because but then I realized I was wearing my tits out. And then I realized I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, I'll know I'm a Jew. What's the point? 
I, I, and I, like, and then I got more grounded in my own values, like we were talking about before. And I said that the most important thing to me is being a Jew first and then everything else. And it's been, it's really been an amazing experience. And everybody's, I know I'm making a kid Hashem. It's amazing. I see from the crowd randomly people will come up like, and I'll see people like, who are like, feel proud. They're like, Oh, there's a guy with a keep on the field. Like, look at that. Like, okay, oh, take a picture. And, and I'll be like, Oh, of course, you know, it's a very good experience, very fulfilling experience overall. And I would say that nobody looks at me any different just because I'm wearing a yarmulke. And that's good to say, I was in Colorado a few weeks ago where a lot of people, Probably never seen a Jew before there. Like, I, like New York is one thing, but even in Colorado, I was walking my sisters, my keepa, mm-hmm. nothing. I had very res- people are very nice, people are very respectful. Don't what's, what's your stock answer when, they, when the people ask you? So, what are these? You know, what are these what are strings? These? Yeah, what do I you tell them? I give, I give them. I give. I my first thing I say. Right, they say, oh, what are these strings? I say, oh, you see, I'm. You see these four strings. It's a reminder to me that that means that God is on all four corners of my body at all times. That everywhere, everywhere I go, no matter what, I could look right, I could look left. He's He's there, he's there, he's there. It's important for me to remind myself that every time I look down, that I just remember who I am and that there's certain values that I uphold for myself and my family. And I just have to make sure that I'm keeping that first. People are like, oh, it's really nice. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah. Save the keeper. <laughs> Amazing. So what, when you go out in the field and people see you, like, what, what is your role? How do you get, like, you're the guy who designs the sneakers. So tell me, you're obviously more than that. And you're obviously making relationships with these, with the, with the people surrounding the sports industry. So tell me, what, what, do you, what do you do out there? Yeah, when I go out there, I, nor, so normally, it's, it's, it's always, of course, it's not, it's not just one, two, three, just get one of these. You can see I have the passes up there. Those are pretty coveted. They're not, they're not just one, two, three, anybody can get them. Okay. Um, so normally it's easy to get them when I have, when I'm bringing shoes. And, and normally, so I, I bring shoes with me to the games and I give them to the players. Sometimes even when I don't have shoes, I could just tell them, oh, I'm going to design some shoes with players. And I go out there and I have a couple of guys that like, you know, I'm specifically going to design shoes for. But whenever I'm out there, I have my business cards and I go out and I make an effort to go out to every guy. And I almost every guy I see, I say, hey, how are you? Like, my name is Ari Solomon. What's your name? And these guys aren't offended that I don't know their name, but I'm just being, I'm just being straight up with them because, you know, at the end of the day, they don't, some guys, you know, obviously the big superstars, they have their egos, but most guys on a field are not big superstars and they're pretty down to earth guys. And then I get into conversation with them about them. And I just, you know, talk them up, get their numbers, get stuff. And I say, Hey, by the way, I do these shoes and, and, you know, like, Oh, that's really cool. And I make sales a lot of the time from just being on the field and making these connections. Um, and the field is the most, that's the best place for me to really be to make these connections. Cause every guy there is, you know, always interested in what I do and interested in shoes. And I'm, I'm obviously, I seem like right off the bat, a very interesting guy to talk to just because of what I'm wearing and who I am. And I've gotten this name throughout baseball also. Like a lot of guys just kind of know my face and know my names. that stick out um, just a little bit. And so I go, that's very comfortable for me to just go out and just, I usually just make, just make the connection, make the relationship, get the contacts and stay in touch. And then when I see them around, you know, I'll, and, but it's fun. It's a really fun time. Do a lot of, just do a lot of networking. Okay. So normally the guy, the, the chief designer is not also the salesman, but it seems like yeah. you're really, you're the one who's making things happen at the, the level of sales as well. You know, I'm everything. I'm that's, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm, I'm kind of a five, I'm a five, two player. I call myself in, in all, in all things. I'm not just, you know, I'm not just an artist. I'm not just, I also, I am, I do a lot of sales. I do a lot of business. I do a lot of the marketing. I can do numbers. I can do whatever. I kind of just touch and touch my hand and everything, whatever needs to get done just to make sure. And I love it. I like being on my feet because I I really don't like having any like stale moments of just not doing anything. So, you know, I I enjoy having a lot of different roles and responsibilities and just kind of touching around. I think the the networking of the players is my favorite part. That's just, that's the best part of it all. Uh So based on what you, what you said, you're saying that you, you sometimes have to deal with the egos of the big superstars, uh, but you normally find a, a more receptive audience from the 
from the lower lower tier stars or players yeah. and then but do you ever have some somebody who's a big superstar who opens up to you and says you know i'd like to i'd like you to design something for me yeah all the time yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. even the big guys especially i think in baseball i think in baseball specifically as opposed to some other sports um i think in baseball as opposed to some other sports um that because in baseball it's very interesting because a lot of these guys in because in baseball you know how the baseball system works um you know these guys come out they go through high school they go through college and they're like the man like they're you know they're probably the the most arrogant people they're they're top of the line best players you know partying you know all this like they're they're the man and then what happens they get drafted first round by their whatever third round by let's say the new york bats oh i'm the top of the world and then they go to the minor leagues for five years make five thousand dollars a year nobody knows their name and everybody forgets about them right so they get these guys get this is the thing with baseball players they get humbled all of them get humbled because wow. they go from being the man to being nothing for five years and making no money and having nobody know their name and living the tough life. So by the time they get to the big leagues, they're all very down to earth, thankful guys. Even the superstars, a lot of them like wow. they're they're very. It's a very interesting thing in baseball. It's why in baseball you find guys are very friendly in general and like are open to interacting with fans and playing around. They're just more laid back guys just because they've all been humbled. Um, but superstars in general, even too, like I've, I've designed for big, many big names, like guys like DeGrom and people like, they're all very nice. Like a lot of the guys, the superstars, a lot of them feel like, you know, they, they just don't want to deal with this stuff. But, you know, the guys that, but it's, but the good thing about the shoes is like, and that's why I have, that's why people are very willing to talk to me also. It's, it's something fun that even everybody enjoys. That's just something they enjoy. Like even the big guys enjoy being a part of the design, right? They enjoy being like, oh, I get to create my own shoes. Like this is cool. Like, so like, it's not one of those things where I'm just selling them a bat and, you know, because then they don't want to talk to me, like deal with my agent. But this is the type of thing where, oh, this is really cool. Like I get to create my own shoe. Like, that's amazing. I, I want to talk to this kid. It doesn't matter who it is. So I have a lot of the ability to talk to a lot of guys, a lot more guys than I would if I was just doing something else like bats or something like that. So it's cool. There are people going around making custom bats. We do. We do some custom bats. Yeah. I have a bat. Oh, but you know, okay. they don't you can't wear them using during the game really. So right. we do bats for like mm-hmm. bat practice and stuff. But you know, just in not even a custom bat. I'm talking about like regular like salesmen and people. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I have advantage over all those guys. Very good. Okay, tell me the most interesting project that you ever had. Most interesting project I've ever had. I've had some. I mean, I've had a lot of very interesting projects. I mean, I think my fa- my favorite overall project was, of course, the Grom, just because I grew up a Met fan. But I think the, cool, the coolest, I guess, most interesting was last season. I worked with, uh, I actually partnered with Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, directly to do. And they, the NFL every single year has something called My Cause, My Cleats Week, where for basically one week, um, every single player in the league, most players, it goes team by team, but most player teams organize it where players will wear like a one of one cleat with a special design commemorating like a charity and raising. And after the game, the cleats get auctioned off to raise money for the charity. And they're supposed to like stand out. So that way on TV, you know, and during, it's a big thing. So like during the game, like they put on the jumbotron at the stadium, they'll talk about certain players cleats and they'll do features on it. The charities, it's a whole big event. And so this year I partnered with the Buccaneers. And like I said before, our, the reason what sets us apart as a business is because we're a team of over 28 artists, as opposed to these other artists who are one, two people, maybe. So we could do, 10 times the amount of shoes they do. So we did 65 pairs um, for the Buccaneers and I had to do 65 one of one unique pairs. Each one had to have its own individual unique, unique design and all within like a month. And that was really intense, but it was really cool to like work with every single player and every single one had their charity and a bunch of different um, stuff they want to do. A lot of stuff. I just had to use my own creativity. And you know, at the end of the day, it's like creative juices are tough when you have to design 65 of the same of like the same shoe, but like differently, it's like, 
your brain fries a little bit, but thank you. <laughs> but that was really, that was very cool and very interesting. I was able to kind of touch all different aspects. I think that was probably the coolest project I've ever worked on. Wow. Yeah. It sounds very intense. Yeah. I know I, I'm a creative myself. I'm a musician. So I know that if, oh. if you're forced, like if you're forced to be creative, <laughs> it's oh, kind, of, sure. kind of doesn't work. You have to, yeah. it, it, when it comes, when it comes, but you, you said you, you worked well under pressure. Yeah. Thank God. Wow. That's good. Okay. And you've worked, I know you've worked for us. You had uh, for, for, for the listeners over here, we had a, a, a generous donor to the podcast fellowship and we thought that it would be a great way to a unique way to say, thank you was to get some custom sneakers designed with the logo of the business that this person was, uh, was ahead of. And Ari did a great job. It was very well received. Ari. Great. I thought, I thought he would wear them. He told me afterwards that he put them in a display box in his office. So <laughs> I guess, I guess that's how that it makes goes. Sense. That makes sense. <laughs> okay, so Ari, is there? Can you share with us a little bit? Um, was there ever a time where you felt that a time where you felt vulnerable? A time where you where a failure that you had that you learned from that that you could share with us? Yeah, there's been. It, I think, and even even with our business specifically, it's very interesting. There's we've had because we're, we're we're a very interesting model which has probably never really been seen before slash used because we kind of figure out this way i guess mass produce art which is really tough because imagine like we're having people you know people hundreds of yeah thousands of orders but the problem is each and every shoe has to be hand painted right we take these individual shoes it's a very meticulous process because when someone orders a shoe we have to order the shoe itself send it to our artist and the artist hand paints it and obviously with people, there's a big margin for error, especially when everything's being done by hand. It's not easy at all. Um, so there's been a couple of times where there's been, you know, where we thought we were able to do something that we just weren't able to do. We thought we were able to take care of something. There was one time which was, um, it was for a sports agency. And we really, we made a promise, which we, I want to say we made a promise. We said, we, what we learned from it was never, never make a promise. Always say, not we will get it done we will do our absolute best but we thought we could do something within a weekend and it turned out the shipping from the company took longer and we couldn't get it done by then they created the whole campaign about it and it was pretty devastating because we felt really bad and they were mad like they were like yeah you know it was (laughs) it wasn't great and but that was a few years ago and then that was where we were like okay we learned a few really important things like we learned a lot of lessons from there like number one we can never ever ever promise everything has to be we're you know whatever it is like we will do our absolute best but you have to understand like everything is being done by hand and whatever um and just you know we learned a lot of different things about the process but it was pretty tough because we we were kind of like i was pretty like depressed at the point i was pretty like oh man like we can't take these big orders anymore like it's not worth it but then even alex was like no it's like we learn rebound and let's keep going forward and sure enough since then we kind of perfected the process which seemed like which is a very meticulous process but we've had we've been very smooth since then and learned from there so thank god everything's been good well i didn't realize they were hand painted so like you come up with the design and you know exactly what you want it to look like then then you order the shoe and it's yes. it's it, it sends to one of it gets sent to one of your 28 artists correct mm-hmm. and all these 28 artists how do you know that they're good so we, the way they're hired is they, they were already like doing this on their own for a while. So they, they have their social media pages. They have all their work. So we know exactly what they do and what their skills are. Yeah. Like uh-huh. you can see here, like this is like, this is, um, this is something that our artist did. So this was just a regular white shoe before. And if you see like each and every, for example, like all these sprinkles are all like, they're all like little brush strokes all done okay. by hand. 
This is done by an airbrush. Like these fades are done by an airbrush. You can see everything on the inside. It's all done literally by, see, if you look closely, it's like it's paint strokes. So uh-huh. everything is done by the special shoe paint, which is really amazing what these, these guys can do. So I do the Photoshop designs. So I create all these designs. Um, and then we send them to the artist and they and then transfer it and paint them onto the shoes. Wow. Yeah. It's and that, they're all, all your artists are located in the U.S.? Um, uh, yes, they're all in the U.S., but all over the place. We have guys in, like Hawaii, like Arkansas, wherever, Wisconsin. If, so, if somebody is a talented, uh, physical artist and they, and they're interested in designing custom shoes, who should they reach out to? Me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, listen, if, if you're listening, we're always looking for new artists. We're always looking for new artists. That's how that's we grow. That's where the hires are. Okay. Yeah. That's where, there's always, there's always a job available if you're, if you're, if you're a sneaker artist. Excellent. Okay. So. Um, okay. So thank you for sharing that with us. And I would ask, is there any question that, that you wanted, you would want to say to this audience that, that I didn't ask that you think is important to to give over? Well, I mean, I think, I think you asked all the, the big questions, but I guess I mean, a bit, well, question would be, you know, that I get a lot of the time is, okay. So at the end of the day, this is, sounds all well and great, but how do you, like, if I, if I wanted to keep, you know, if I want to keep Shabbos, I want to keep, you know, I want to keep Shabbat or Yontifs and everything. And okay, what about business trips? And how do you deal with this? And how am I, like, how could I, there's a question I get asked a lot. They say, oh, you're dealing with a lot of people. It seems like you're, at the end of the day, okay, it's very nice and very cool that you're wearing your kippah, you're going out there. But at the end of the day, like, these are people are, these are not, these are not Jews that you're dealing with. You don't eat the same as them. You don't go to the same places as them. Like, how do you build relationships with these types of people? You know, who are good, all very good people. There's no, nothing about, nothing about their personality. It's just your values are very different. And I should have asked that question. You're right. It's a, it's a very good question. <laughs> I got okay. it. No worries. Uh, Your it's, question. A, it's, a, it's a very common question I get. And answer to that that I always give is that, I mean, there's a few things I said. Number one is that there's absolutely no doubt at all. Then it's the first thing I can say to anybody is said, there's certain things in life which you have to sacrifice for. Like there's, you know, we can make, you know, very nice excuses and very nice things around to make anything work in life. And, uh, you know, we can justify anything at the end of the day, but there's certain, there is certain things at the end of the day that if something's important to you, there are going to be sacrifices that you have to make. Um, and for me, though, for me personally, those sacrifices have, are, are always and will always be worth it. Keeping like Shabbos, for example, I don't know how I'd function without keeping Shabbos, without having, you know, all these days when I could just tell everybody and, and I can tell, and I'm telling people firsthand. And for some reason, for some reason, there's nowadays, there's this just conception that people are just not understanding and people are anti-religious and, and which might be true in, in a general sense, but people have this like misconception that people, if you just tell someone like you're a Jew, it's like they're going to hate you all of a sudden. They're going to think of you as lower than them and this, and it's like going to do bad for your business standing. I don't even really, I've personally have no idea where that conception comes from because I've been in this industry where people really don't know what a Jew is. And people say, Oh, Hey, can you meet with me on Saturday? And I say, all I do is, Hey, I have the Sabbath. Uh, basically I'm off my phone for 24 hours, starting from sundown on Friday night to Sunday. Saturday. It's just a religious holiday. Like, I'm so sorry. Like we do like a different day this week. And, I've literally never got a different response than other than, oh, no worries at all. Enjoy. Have a great weekend, bro. Like totally nothing. Never got anything else. And I think I was like uncomfortable doing that. Like I didn't know what, obviously I was, I never crossed my mind to break Shabbos or anything. It was just like, I didn't really know what to do or how to do it. Then eventually I realized just explain it as literally people. Then if they are interested, they'll go on Google to do a search. They'll be like, oh, this is interesting. I've gotten very interested. I've sent some Chabad articles out to some non-Jews before. It's very interesting. And in terms of going places, um, that's tough. That is definitely, that is definitely tough. You know, like last year I went to 
I got invited, which is really one of the really cool experiences I've had to the Bahamas for, they have the basically an off season. There's a, a home run derby okay. in the Bahamas. That's basically a week in Atlantis. It's in, it's all big leaguers, all big MLB players go and they have a home run derby into the ocean, but it's all events the whole week before. It's, it's really cool. It's really amazing. And I actually got invited like a free week there. And that was at that point. Um, so I went down, I was able to go down on Tuesday. Um, the, the actual home run derby was on Shabbos. And I've, I personally, I don't spend, I, for me personally, I, w- I won't, I won't ever spend Shabbos away from a minion with a Torah. Like I'm always going to be, if that means I need to come back home. Um, like if, if I'm going to go be across the country or whatever it is, that means I'm, and I'll, I'll be in a place where I can't get a minion. Like I'm going to, I'll, I'll come back home. The, and also I won't ever spend Shabbos or anything away from my wife or family. Um, you know, especially wherever I could take my wife with me, I always take her, mm-hmm. but for this, this Bahamas trip, there was a lot of challenges kind of presented because number one, it was, okay, the actual home run derbies on Shabbos. I couldn't bring my wife because she was busy with school. And a lot of the times, you know, when you're on vacation in the Caribbean, where, where, what do guys do at night? How do you make these connections? It's probably going to be in the bar. It's probably going to be in the casino. It's probably places place where I'm not going to go <laughs> place where I have no interest in going. Um, so I went and I kind of just made it work in the sense of during the day, it was, you know, I spent my time, you know, hanging out with the guys and I played, it was quite played in like a celebrity softball game, which was really, that was pretty funny how I was all of a sudden celebrity in the Bahamas. I don't think I was, I don't think I'm a celebrity. It was just funny how like I was playing on this game with a bunch of these MLB players and Bahamas radio DJs, like the president of the Bahamas throughout the first pitch. And I was just playing in the game. I don't really know how that happened. It was really funny, but I happened. Um, but at night, you know, like when they went out and went and partied and whatever, like I brought with me from, from New York, I packed my bag with literally like 30 hot dogs and tinfoil. And I just ate that every single meal. I brought it with me. I didn't. And at night when they went to the bars and whatever, I said, okay, this is, listen, at the end of the day, this is not, this, people think this is essential to making the connections. I said, the time to make the connections is, you know, for me, it's just, I think I, I'll do it during the day. Like it's just not, it's just not for me when I face out my wife. And yeah, I had to sacrifice some things at the end of the day, but it's, it, but there's, but the overall rewards and what I've seen from my life and that the w- rewards that come from doing this and being, I guess I wouldn't say, I wouldn't even say strict. It's just, you know, just following exactly what I needed to do, what I need to do and what my personal guidelines are. The rewards have just been unlimited and I'm just 10,000 times happier than I would be if I wasn't doing these types of things. And uh, overall it's, uh, it's tough to navigate, but it's a hundred percent manageable and it just leads to more blessings to continuously come into life and i fully believe that it's not nothing to believe it's just it's just the truth it's the ms right and you know you do these things god helps you right back and um but so it's amazing but if that was a question that you would ask that's what i would have answered (laughs) okay i'm glad that you asked it even though i didn't ari i want to thank you so much for the time that you gave of your busy schedule and sure. for sharing with us your 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 business experience and your Jewish inspiration, I think it's gonna it's gonna have a real impact and when people hear your story. And thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I wish you a lot okay. of success. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Good to speak. Bye. You've just listened to another great episode of Our Tribe, the podcast, brought to you by the Podcast Fellowship and hosted by Rabbi Tovia Kopstein. Tune in each week, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time to hear more great episodes of Our Tribe, the podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, email us at ourtribe at podcastfellowship.org. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help the tribe thrive.